0: KYW News Radio original podcasts It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in.
1: I'm Matt Leon and this is One on One. Organizations and softball and sports teams or whatever, we all talk about culture. It can't be a box that you check. It's a garden that you grow. You got to plant it, prepare it, weed it, feed it, water it, protect it. You got to let it grow and you have to harvest it, and most importantly, you must let it rest. That's culture.
0: And our guest this week is Bill Rellier. He is the head softball coach at Rosemont College, one of many hats he wears at Rosemont. Been in the gig since early 2020. And, Bill, thanks so much for coming in studio.
1: Hey, my great pleasure. Thank you.
0: So we were talking a little bit off the air. We are recording this uh, end of the first week of September. What is life like for Rosemont College softball this time of year as the kids have been back for a a week and a half, two weeks?
1: Yeah, students moved in uh, the weekend of the 26th of August, and uh, first classes started on the 28th. We start our fall ball workouts Around the, the, In fact, on the 19th of September. So this week is a little bit busy. We do some um, fundraising and what have you through Aramark uh, down at the link. So we do our training and stuff this week, tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And just getting I's dotted and T's crossed and getting ready for uh, the semester and and getting into fall ball. So you took
0: over the softball program January of 2020, right? Yes, sir. Now, something pretty big happened two (laughs) months later. You noticed. I'm just (laughs) curious. Like, do you feel like you are into a quote-unquote normal rhythm at this point? Are you that far removed from, from COVID and everything where you, it's kind of like maybe it would have been in 2019? Or do you still have things because of roster and extra years and stuff like that that there are still remnants of the
1: pandemic as far as the day-to-day? Okay, so I'm a nurse by trade 30 years in, my wife and I. So I was in nursing when the HIV and AIDS pandemic was all the thing, right? And, and it It never really goes away. So to move forward now two decades later, this COVID virus, my wife is still working in in the hospitals. I no longer do that. But, yeah, it's on the rise again. It's reiterated. It's regenerated. And it becomes... More contagious, but less dangerous uh, as it makes its iteration. So to that end, from a softball perspective, yes, I think we're moving back towards normalcy. But of course, we are we are isolated in our little <laughs> oasis right there on the main line, right? Usually the first couple of weeks is when people experience any type of uh, illnesses because they're around new people and new environments. And, and then we go from there. But yeah, I think from 30,000 feet, yeah, I think we're into normalcy. So what is your...
0: Origin story with softball. How did you oh. first get involved? <laughs> In general, I don't mean just at Rosemont. I just mean...
1: The- yeah, uh, it, like like most of us who have children, it was my daughter, my eldest daughter. She she played... 2003, she was playing some t-ball or something like that and uh, was matriculating into the next age group and um, daddy ball is the bane of my existence. So uh, we ran into our first uh, experience with daddy ball, the uh, rec club commissioners or boards people whatever <laughs> yeah no 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 we can't we can't take those four or five people because we've got a full roster of 15 and we've got role players and I'm going at 12 are you serious so uh, I I jumped back into coaching I, I coached for a long long time prior basketball and I'd been teaching martial arts since 1984 uh, so I and I was a competitor well up into my mid30s and when my children were born I got out of coaching and like I said it was my daughter my eldest daughter who got into t-ball and softball that dragged me back in, but it was a fun ride and and I'm still doing it.
0: Where were you coaching and teaching martial arts in the first iteration?
1: My mom and I had uh, a karate studio, um, Taekwondo, in Delaware uh, and in Delaware County. And then uh, I I coached for a little while. A very good friend of mine, uh, Joe LaRose, got me into coaching uh, basketball. I was a volunteer coach at Del Tech for a year out of high school. Uh, Loved basketball. I played all manner of sports, so it was just it was fun. One of my best friends was actually playing for Dell Tech at the time. So it was easy to be a volunteer assistant at that point. That turned into I was coaching. Uh, I helped Bucky Gill at Chai High uh, in his junior uh, junior varsity program in there. He was the varsity coach. Uh, I was working with uh, Del Val, uh, the Biddy League, uh, you know, Chichester basketball and one of the older brothers of, of the Evans uh, family <laughs> he and I were, uh, were running mates uh, for a long long time uh, Doc and and Pooh and reg and just the whole family so yeah that's when I started all that. What was uh, what got you into martial arts? Is that something that started as a kid? I started when I was 12, and uh, I, I was slight of stature, and we moved to a scary place <laughs> called Pennsylvania <laughs> from uh, from Claymont, Delaware. And um, yeah, my mom and my brother and I, we just got into martial arts, uh, like I said, at about 12, and by the time I was uh, 16, 17... Yeah, 16. I was I was at an intermediate level, I think blue belt red stripish, uh moving toward black belt and you start teaching at that point and learning how to transfer knowledge that you've learned and, and and you never stop learning, of course. By the time I graduated, I had my my black belt my first. I now have five uh in three different styles and um I was starting to compete uh nationally and uh I was trying to get onto the uh the national team in 88 and 92 while going to nursing school. So it was good fun.
0: <laughs> what drew you to martial arts? What do you love about it? Because that's incredibly impressive to have that type of background.
1: What drew me to martial arts?
0: Or I should say what kept like it's one thing to try. But what well, what do you love about it that allowed you to go to those those heights?
1: I'm a competitor. Point blank. Uh, Golly. I I played all manner of sports. I lettered in three sports in high school. I was a swimmer, baseball, football. In the backyard, we played football, baseball, basketball, street hockey, uh, beach volleyball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we created our own. uh, Mm -hmm. We were playing chase. We were (laughs) whatever. We could kick the can. Good Lord. All those things that you would do before there was organized sports. Right. And I, I'm just, look, Candyland is a full contact sport in my world, right? There's one square and you got two eyeballs. Something's going to give and I'm going to win. It's just the way I've been wired. So it, it kept me in the game. And I will tell you now, even as a softball coach, everything goes back to the ring for me, to the dojo, to the mat. It's always a fight. It's always the give and take. It's, if I shift this way, do I do I get a response? And what does that response look like? And where's my opening? And oh gosh, here comes trouble, right? And how do I get out of this? And where's the opening and the escape? It taught me a lot, uh, and I'm 40 years in, so you never stop learning. You never stop training.
0: How does the discipline of martial arts help you in coaching?
1: I believe. Okay, so so I'm I'm, I'm now a neuropsychologist. <laughs> So the transition is as we understand that through multiple, multiple repetitions with intentionality is you develop neuromuscular pathways that become reflexive rather than reactive. So when you train uh, the body, the, the neuromuscular pathway to respond in such a way, again, at the speed of reflex, and I'm talking nanoseconds, this is when you hear the, the, the elite athletes start to talk about, well, the game just kind of slows down. And this is why. I don't have to think about my mechanics anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about how to whether – it's, whether it's a fight, you know, am I kicking, am I grappling, am I punching, parry, trap, you know, arm bars, what have you, choke holds. It doesn't matter. Same thing on the softball diamond. I no longer have to think about how to track the ball, how to make a drop step, how to, how to scoot to the ball to my glove side or to my backhand side, long hops, short hops. What's the pitching count, right? What's what's the pitcher going to throw next? What's the most likely pitch I'm going to get? And and what do I need to do with it, right? Do I have runners in scoring position? Do I have do I need to get on base? You know, all these things play into the element that is competition at any level and on any sport. I just loved it. I'd love the game within the game. Did you always when well, you talked about coaching, like even growing up, did you figure you were going to coach something somewhere at some point. You know, it, it it's it's an interesting question. I'm outward in my spiritual walk. I'll, I'll I'll paraphrase. I'll but I'll refer you to Ephesians four seven through sixteen, and and that is, in paraphrase, when he ascended, he gave gifts to man to the measure of his grace. Yeah, Matt, I think I was always meant to do this. I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. Uh, I've always been the coach. I've always, even on the field or on the, I never played soccer, but football field, baseball field, volleyball, I'm the guy who's always talking and thinking defense and how we're going to rotate and cover and what have you. So yeah, I've always been this.
0: It's fascinating. We've only talked for eight or nine minutes and we've already delved into so many different aspects of your <laughs> of your life career yeah, interests like like <laughs> do you find are you a person that is easily bored and you always need that next
1: challenge so in my psychology work i have found multiple assessment tools, psychometric assessment tools and the one that I use most in my practice is was developed by Colin Adam and and Rob Barnes out of South Africa and it is Ania International's 5 Lens Development Tool and it incorporates work from Carl Jung, Maslow, uh, Richard Barrett, Peter Senge and and most importantly Oh Karen Horne is in there. But the Enneagram and there's there's nine behavioral patterns in this model of behavior, and I'm sorry that's long winded, but the point is, we have access to all of these different nine patterns. But yes, the one that shows up for me at the highest propensity is 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 in the area that we would call the um, the enthusiast. Yeah, I, is is it adult ADD? I don't know. <laughs> But I don't sit still. I'm a drummer and I just – I love it when my hands and feet are going and I sing while I drum and play on the kit. So like, yeah, I've always been that kid who, who people are like, oh, you're so anxious. You're so you – can't you sit still? N- no, I really can't. No, I got to keep moving. And you know, what's funny. My wife's happy place is the beach, right? She can sit and bake for hours. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was younger, before my spine injuries – I would love to frolic. I would play in the water, beach, volleyball, football, paddle ball, now it's what cornhole, whatever <laughs> cornhole and golf now that I'm in my fifties. uh but the point is, I cannot sit still. It's literally purgatory for me to just sit still and do nothing. There are times where I want quiet, but those are on my terms, so yeah, I don't know uh. Me, yeah, I'm just wired this way.
0: How long did it take you to become comfortable with yourself always needing that, that next thing?
1: I, um, I don't know that I was ever uncomfortable. Okay. People around me, fa- I, I felt people around me found my <laughs> idiosyncrasies disconcerting, right? Because they wanted me to conform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tell me to do something and I don't want to do it, you got a battle on your hands. You tell me not to do something and I want to do it, you got a battle on your hands. Again, we're we're just back to this is how I was wired. Now, your previous question about discipline. Yeah, I've incorporated discipline. I have control. (laughs) But yeah, everything in moderation, right? Even moderation.
0: When did you start to really look at softball coaching? Because you talk, you know, your your daughter, you get involved. When did you start to look at it as something that was going to take up a significant amount of your time? It was going to be more than just coaching your daughter's team like was there was there a moment or was it just kind of the progression of this opportunity led to this opportunity and then I got a phone call and then we tried this and next thing you know I'm running a
1: division three program on the main line I think it's all of those things My transition from nursing was precipitated by a a trio of spine injuries. So at the time of the first one, I was working in neuroanesthesia downtown at Penn. And um, ironically, I ended up on my own table. I got hit head-on, had uh, an anterior cervical disectomy infusion, took a section of my hip, stuck it in my neck, plate and some screws. And um, I got rear-ended 10 months later. So I lost my job because I wasn't eligible for uh, a second FMLA inside of a rolling 12-month cycle. So we were pregnant with our second child and I went immediately back to um, a nursing home in Delaware County run by the state, uh, which is where I met my wife some five years prior. And uh, I'd been there just a year and a month perhaps. And I was helping a, a gentleman. A World War II vet who was dear to me and he was in a shower chair and the chair folded up underneath him and he was in stages of MS. couldn't even scratch his own nose. Hurtling towards the tile floor and I reached and I caught him and I blew out my lower spine. So that ensued a uh, a very lengthy workers' comp litigation and um, I had to make transition. I went back to school. I I, I was finishing up my bachelor's degree because I was pursuing uh, becoming a nurse anesthetist and uh i had to put all that on hold because of the workers comp case couldn't go to school and do that stuff because i couldn't certainly couldn't do it on the job either mm-hmm. uh and then the the length of the case drew out so far that that by the time i was ready physically to return to school after i had the third surgery all of my sciences were now outdated by 20 years and there and i was like going to have to start over i was like oh oh hell no <laughs> So I made transition that way. I went and got a real estate license, and this is uh, 2005-ish, 2006-ish. The market starts to shift. Uh, all of that stuff caves in, so I'm, re- I'm redirected again. I'm now back to school to get a bachelor's degree. I try my hat at law school. I'm working as a nurse paralegal and a legal nurse consultant. Uh, did a year of, of Widener Law. Hated it. I'm like, I just can't find my people. <laughs> and then I found... Industrial organizational psychology and everything that I'm now doing today along the way, I was I was working still coaching, I was giving hitting lessons, I was teaching catchers how to catch and just all this other stuff, making ends meet for for heaven's sake, I was driving limousines again like I did when I was you know first in college and anywhere that I could just make ends meet. but always around a game, basketball, softball, what have you. And so uh I was I was coaching a tournament team here in in Delaware County and my daughter was on 16s or 18s at this point so I was coaching 12s and 14s because I recognized that daddy ball is not a good thing <laughs> right she needs to grow and develop and and I need to be able to just be dad and so the segue was uh this 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 tournament team was renting space in Widener's fieldhouse and unbeknownst to me even though I had been a student at Widener and in fact had graduated I was an adult student when I was there, so I never met Fred. But Fred's lurking in the corner, right? Because he's, he's supervising all Fred this. Fred Dorman, who was a Fred, long head softball coach at Widener. Fred of Dorman. I call him the chief. He's got this picture of this uh, American buffalo on his, uh, he had on his desk at the time. And, and the buffalo's name was Chief. So I always referred to Fred as chief uh, just because of his affinity for this animal. And and he got me into ornithology and we were hiking and all this other stuff. But anyway, that's a whole different segue. He's watching me with this group of 14-year-old kids. And, well, he pulls me aside and he says, you know what? I don't know if these 14-year-olds are ever going to understand what you're talking about, centripetal, centripetal and centrifugal force and, and how that works. He said, in fact, I had, I had to look it up myself. <laughs> he says, but I, I tell you what, I think, I think my college team is get, just going to get a hoot out of you, right? So come see me Monday and, and and let's talk. I've got an opening. I thought I hit the lottery. I'm going to coach college softball, blah, blah. We went in. I went in Monday and we talked. Uh, you've met Fred. Mm-hmm. So so he is loquacious. He can go on for hours. Uh, I'm no different. But so the two of us in a room, it was like before we knew it, two hours were gone. And he says, look, I got to go teach classes. I got to go to work. <laughs> uh, he said, but uh, you're hired. I'm like, great. What's my salary? He says, oh, you can wear all the T-shirts I can put on you, and you get to eat all the cheeseburgers you want to buy. <laughs> so I was a volunteer assistant coach for a year.
0: I want to put a pin in that. Yeah, sure. The – The spine surgeries and the spine situation, given your personality, recovering from something like that is difficult under the best of circumstances. Given how you're wired, I would imagine there was a lot of bed rest. There was a lot of, no, not a lot of need to be
1: still, no? No, the neck surgery, in fact, there was very little rehab of the neck itself. I did physical therapy. Gosh, I forget his first name, but I think it was Bernstein physical therapist. he recommended me for an article actually in in physical therapy journal based on my work Ethic in the gym and and I'm not tooting my horn. it's again, as I said to you, it's just how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. It's one hundred and ten or it's nothing, and that's how I was i i I'd, I'd been a gym rat for most of my life, so at this point there was there was no alternative. No does not exist in my world. It's not right now, it's not this way, it's not yet. But no does not exist for me. So I was bound and determined. I had kids. I wasn't going to watch them live their life uh, from the couch. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I was going to be part of their life. And now when when, when we get together with friends, uh, my, my wife will chide. Kids didn't need toys. They had Billy. <laughs> so, But I was just – I knew that from from when we, the time when we were going to have children that they were going to know that they were loved, that they were cared for, that, that I was going to be part of their life. And so that was my mindset. I mean, there was never a question, Matt. It was just, okay, how do we get back up in the saddle?
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with Bill Relier right after this. This is One on One. And we are back on One on One, continuing our conversation with Rosemont College head softball coach Bill Relier. So you start at Widener. Is coaching at the college level, does it take uh, an adjustment You know, because you're dealing with older kids, you're dealing with more mature kids that are further, much further along in softball development. Like, what was it like that first year kind of getting your feet wet at that level?
1: Well, there there were multiple things. It's not in my nature to uh, not speak up. I'm outspoken. However, I I took a cue from Fred and that was sit back, observe, take all this in. They're going to have to get to know you. And... One of the things that, that we talked about, and, and Fred's a, a history buff, and he would quote Teddy Roosevelt. They don't care about what you know until they know you care. And that, and that has rooted in my, in my heart and in my mind. And, and, and I, look, I, I live heart forward and, and not on my sleeve, Matt. It's a jacket, mm-hmm. right? It, it, I'm in your face with energy and with emotion. And what I would come to discover is if you subscribe to the theory of hemispheres, I'm right brain dominant. Uh, which means I have access to all of this emotion. I'm not scared. It doesn't frighten me. Something like statistically 75% of the female population is right brain dominant and 60% of the male population is left brain dominant, which is why we have the the Venus and Mars Mm -hmm. effect, right? This is why men typically are freaked out by emotion. Anyway, I sat back. I got to know these young people. And it's important to understand that even though they are technically adults – (laughs) <laughs> again, as a neuropsychologist speaking, that frontal lobe doesn't reach maturation until mid-20s. So we're still working out our perception. We're still working out our self-identity. We're still working out how am I going to process these events, these sequences, this this stuff that I just don't understand. So I took all that and I ran with it and, and I collected. And, and again, true to my nature as, as a psychologist, observing human behavior. I wouldn't say that I can fix it, but I, I observe it. These young women were so dedicated. They wanted to win so badly, and yet they didn't know how. And then y- y- we had we had a, a, a you know another coach that was hey make this make an adjustment, make an adjustment. But we wouldn't talk about what adjustment to make, nor would we practice it. And that was one of the things that I took away. And, and so after my first year, this was twenty thirteen. Spring of 2013 concluded, and uh, we did not make the playoffs at Widener. And Fred and I spent a lot of time in the summer walking, and and again, he introduced me to ornithology and all this stuff. And I started asking questions. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, what do you think about that? Hey, what's your opinion on this, and what's your opinion on I started making suggestions. He, He was very receptive to ideas and concepts, and we started making changes. And it was evident because because I was now into my graduate work. I started my, my master's degree work in 2013, and I started diving into this notion of culture. If we want to be champions, we have to give them the foundation and the bedrock. And it's not about the winning. It's actually about how are you going to handle the failure. And you have to provide enough latitude for people to learn from failure. We started lifting again. I said, hey, how come we don't lift? He's like, you know what? We used to do that a lot, and we got away from it. We started lifting, and they bought in, and that's the important part, yeah. right? Leadership and followership has a reciprocal relationship. Now, now, Fred's the uh, benevolent dictator, of course, but hey, we're gonna lift, and and we're gonna be there with you. So we were up, we, we were up at five thirty, and we were in the weight room at six a.m. And the softball team was there at six a.m. We started lifting, and before you know it other teams joined us and started lifting at the same time now we're competing for gym time at six in the morning and then what happens after that you start winning mm-hmm. you're stronger you're you're less susceptible to injury you have a more cohesive chemistry because you've been working together toward a goal collectively and over time so 2014 we make playoffs quick exit 2015 now we're championship game heartbreaking loss 2016 championship game another. Heartbreaking loss. 2017, we win the doggone thing and we go off to regionals. That was a hoot uh, in, in, in Cortland, New York. And then 18, we had a bit of a drop off and uh, came down to the last game of the season, conference play. And I, uh, I'm i sitting on my bucket because I'm keeping the book. And this this young lady comes up, senior, catcher, big stick. And we got an open base. And I'm sitting there going, we should walk her. Oh, we should walk her. Oh, we should walk her. Because the kid behind her is like 0 for 5 on the day. I didn't get off my bucket. I sat there and watched it i don 't think the ball's come down yet, and we lost by a run. That stuck with me, so anyway, nineteen we make our way back to the championship game we 're playing Arcadia, and we <laughs> it rained the entire weekend so we I, I think it was a one game championship, and they beat us by a run it was a It was a really nice battle and um yeah, anyway, following year, I got the 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 call at rosemont leadership, culture they bought in Matt. I say this all the time, even to my recruits today. I was, I was just in Sacramento this weekend on a recruiting trip again, and I, and I say this. Organizations and softball and sports teams and whatever, we all talk about culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been accused of overthinking a lot of things. So, so if, if that's the case here, you know, just chalk it up to repetition. <laughs> it can't be a box that you check. It's a garden that you grow. You've got to plant it, prepare it, weed it, feed it, water it, protect it you got to let it grow, and you have to harvest it, and most importantly, you must let it rest. That's culture. And I and I tell everyone that comes into my world, I, A, I'm selective and protective of who I bring into my world, my culture, my softball world. And, and number two, you're going to be the gardener. My job is to win, and my job is to recruit your replacement, and you're going to help me do it. And you're going to be part of something that's much bigger than yourself. And Matt— I, At the end of the day, after I'm 20 years into this now, right? 12 years of college ball, but 20 years into coaching softball at this point. And it rings true for me today as it did on on day one. It's all about the people. Leadership requires followership and they buy in. And what this group at Rosemont has done is no different than the run that we had at Widener from, from 15 to 19. This group of, of young women, they are remarkable. Remarkable. My wife asks repeatedly, <laughs> let me get this straight. You got a PhD to go coach softball? <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea. I use it every minute of every day, right? But I love what I do, right? It's, it's, it's metaphor, movie, cliche, I, I don't know. I do not work a day in my life. I just love everything about what I do. Do you love to win or hate to lose? Mark? I hate to lose. I hate to lose. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt money ball, right? There's a difference. I hate losing. Yeah. You can't talk to me. I, I, it used to be you couldn't talk to me for days now that I have <laughs> some discipline and some wisdom in life, right? Okay. It's part of the game. Again, practice what I preach. What are we going to learn from this? Failure. We went to regionals last year for the first time in Rosemont softball college, uh, program history. The takeaway from my captains and the leadership was astounding when I, I I got there in 2020 and and then the pandemic and we can come back to that. But the, I I told them then you don't know that you can compete at higher levels. I I inherited a program that had a well uh, an intramural mindset, mm-hmm. just something to do. Yeah. Oh, you used to play salt? Oh, come on out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not disparaging anyone that was there, honestly. Uh, but, but you needed a shift in mindset if you want to compete, right? Because what we do is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very hard. And even at the D3 level, it's intense. So anyway, I got on the ground day one. Look, we're going to go to the championship. might take us a couple of years, but we're going to get there and I'm going to show you how. My captains, Annalisa Yoder, Emily Bingman, Danny Sharp, and now... Olivia Hom, Jr., they said after we were eliminated from regionals, we can compete here. We went toe-to-toe with, with Barry out of Georgia, number two team in the nation at the time. I think they were runners-up for the WCW uh, last year. They were white-knuckling it for five innings. Who, who the hell is Rosemont? <laughs> Where did they come from, right? It's it's a 1-1 game or a 2-2 game. I, I forget what it was in the moment. But at the end of that experience, these young women said, Oh, oh yeah, we we can do this. Now we know we can work harder. I don't have to lift a finger. Right? There's 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 a Jason Aldine song that says you got to whip the horses you can't fence in. Yeah, let them run, man. Let them run. I'm so stoked. I've got goosebumps talking about it. I love this cast. I just I just love these kids. So when
0: you make the jump from Widener to take over at Rosemont, yeah. was that something that you felt? You were ready for the challenge, or did the opportunity present itself oh, and no, 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 you were no, no, no. interested?
1: I, I had been ready for a couple of years, and even Fred had said that he's like, because you know, you know what happens, right? Uh, you go from assistant to, to now, you rise up to the to the level of, of the, the the leadership around you, and and although iron sharpens iron, what that what that actually means is, yeah, we're starting to butt heads, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'm starting to ask questions, and I'm starting to say I would do this differently, and whatever. Always, always, always respectfully and, and, and in private conversation. But yeah, he's like, all right, you're ready. You, you got to get out of my hair. He doesn't have any hair. You got to get out of my hair. <laughs> and then opportunity came up that it was open and it was Fred that said, "You got, you've got to apply for this. I'm like, yeah, but I'm comfortable. I'm teaching this and I'm teaching that and I'm working on that and I'm working on this. And, you know, we're going to go back and – no, no, no. You got to go. It's time. So all credit – To Fred Dorman, certainly praise to God for for the opportunity. And Joe Pavlo and Ashley Hodges, Dr. Ashley Hodges, they rolled the dice. They gave me a shot. And I am forever grateful because uh, we've turned this thing around. We've turned this program around. And now the new president, Jim Colley, he's doing great, great things for Rosemont College. And um, yeah, softball team, the soccer team, the lacrosse team, we've all had recent uh success we're all building momentum so it's really it's a fun place to be it's like friday night lights anytime a, a a team is competing it's great fun this little engine that could how i don't know if satisfying is the word but you've got so
0: many unique experiences and you're you're so open to so many things how often in a day, are you pulling from your nursing background? Are you pulling from the martial arts background? Are you pulling from the psychology? Like, I would imagine you've just got this array of knowledge that you have put together over your lifetime, not career, your lifetime. And it's this unique mix. And, like, what is it like to be able to pull from these things and not have them be guesses, but, like, this is going to work or I
1: can do this? I, you know, A, I work hard at gratitude, being grateful. There was a period in my life after those injuries that that I I was on the verge of losing many things: a house, a marriage, profession. You know, I, I I was I was really, if you will, in 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 the wilderness. And it was my walk, my spiritual walk, my faith that allowed me to persevere. It was my my life experiences that that taught me, and 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 in no small measure, all of my experiences in sport is. It, as I said, no does not exist in my world, okay? Neither does curling up in a, in a fetal position. It just wasn't an answer. No, don't tell me I can't do something. Yeah, let's go get it. And, and I persevered, and, I, and, and, and I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Matt, I did not do this by myself. Fred introduced me some of the most amazing people. Kathy Veroni, Hall of Famer. Lou Harris Champer, will be Hall of Famer, two-time Division I champion, Ronda Ravel. The, the, the list just... Dot Richardson, um, just the list goes on and on. Locally, you got Frank Ehrenfeld at Pensbury, uh, who's become a good friend. These people imparted wisdom from their life and their experience, and I and, and I, I took it in. So I can't sit here or stand here and say that this was all Bill Relier. It wasn't. There were people who... We're at a stage in their life and experience and, and or are wired in this way, right? If you if you tap into spiral dynamics and the laws of attraction and all this stuff, they just give of themselves and it comes back. And every one of them is selfless and have been, even, even locally, Kim Wilson, she's inducted into the NFCA Hall of Fame this year. Even she has been a mentor to me. And we haven't beaten them yet, but we're working on it. Hey, Coach at Rowan. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, she's been wonderful. All of these people in my life have been wonderful, even in the martial arts world. those The people that that were leaders and mentors to me, instructors and so on and so forth, and I don't need to drop names, but they were wonderful. They gave, I took in, and so to answer your question— in every one of those areas, whether it's martial arts, whether it's softball, or whether it's my psychology, I'm an applied psychologist. I put this stuff into action. It's where the rubber meets the road. Otherwise, the grand theories just don't mean anything. It's just some you know, pile high and deep. I'm fortunate. I'm blessed. Can I say that? I'm blessed. Uh-huh. I could have been paralyzed. I'm not. Here I am, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I love doing. I have autonomy in my world, which is so important to me. And I bring people into my world that are willing participants. Every year, I get, to, I get to start a new team, make a new run at this. And the reward for me is, again, what sport teaches us about life and how I can draw those parallels. And again, even in the business world, as an IO psychologist, it's, a, it's about how do you grow culture in your organization. And it always, always comes back to people and values. Each individual has their own value system, but what we're going to live by collectively makes all the difference. That's where success is, and I'm a collaborative approach to that too. You've got to be – if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be willing to listen. You've got to hear hard truths. You've got to hear fears. You've got to hear <laughs> all, the, all the stuff that goes into being a leader and allow people to do what they're good at. Surround yourself by great people, and I have done that. And, and people have brought me into their fold to do that. So, yeah, again, succinctly, I'm blessed.
0: You take over at Rosemont and everything is complicated, obviously, by the pandemic. But you talked about how it was kind of an intramural mindset. Do you remember the first moment when you felt like the program had really started to turn in the direction you wanted it to be? Like I said, that first – First few months there, everything's got to be zooms and phone right. calls, and it's it's tough. But was there a tangible moment when the smile breaks out on your face because you realize some, that culture has that garden has started to
1: grow? Sure, it's 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 yin and yang, uh, and it was 2021. I brought in 17 new players, and and I said to the cast that was there, we're going to broaden our numbers at Division Three. The focus is on academics and what that means to the softball coach or to any coach at Division 3 is that – and I believe – so we'll put an asterisk on that. This is my opinion. This is my experience. Is that you need to carry a larger roster. In the softball world in particular, at Division 3, we don't typically get dominant pitching like you see at Division Mm -hmm. 1 because organizations can throw financial support at those – those players incentives. So my approach is different. So I carry four to six pitchers and I plan to use three in a game. I might have a closer, I might have a, a middle, I might have a, a starter. And no one role is is definitive or permanent, right? It's flexible. Practice resilience. Let's mm-hmm. be flexible and practice resilience, right? And that is my mantra. Ask my kids, this is about we not me. Check your ego at the door. I will get you in the game even if it's as a pinch runner. I will get you in the game. And if you don't like where you are in the prioritization of this, in the hierarchy, do something about it. You got a skill set that you haven't tapped into? Share it. So to your question, 2021, I brought 17 young women in, five transfers, Washington, three from Colorado, another one from Maryland, if I'm not mistaken, and then some local talent as well. And we made the playoffs for the first time in program history. That's where the you could see that the plant sprouting. Mm-hmm. So so we were the number five seed in 2021 <laughs> and we get bounced. A team that we had dominated just a week and a half earlier, <laughs> we can't hit the ball. We can't catch the ball. We th- throw it around and it's inexperienced, right? The lights are brighter. Mm-hmm. Stage is bigger. So it was, again, the, the, the yin and the yang or, or uh, in the theater world, you've got the the happy face and the crying face. I think that was Shakespeare, but whatever. And then 2022, we made the conference championship. And again, rain shortened. And I think that there was some uh, strategery (laughs) in the way that the field was addressed. And anyway, I won't go into conspiracies. But uh, and then we made it back there again last year. And uh, we we got the uh, we got the birth to uh, to the regional playoffs. And it's it. Yeah, that's when I knew last year when when we were back for the second time in a year or or in in, in succession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a mature garden now. And we went from two players making all-conference to seven, including the conference player of the year. Again, Annalisa Yoder will go down in the program history as the greatest ever. She's the GOAT. She's on top of every offensive category statistically. And right behind her or right on on top of her in the the stats is Emily Bingman, four-year all-conference player, three-year captain. Annalisa earned all-regional team when we were in in, in Texas. And then Danny Sharp, again, three-year captain, made all-conference as the pitcher. Lauren Begg was the player of the year. She was number three in the nation in stolen bases and number five in the nation in hits. She had 79 hits, and she had, uh, I think, 38 or 40 stolen bases by herself. And we had the number five team in the nation in stolen bases, 138 stolen bases. Remarkable. Olivia Ham, Kylie Kubitschek, one of my Colorado kids, all earned all conference, all seven of them. And I learned three weeks before we went to conference that four of them still had eligibility and wanted to return. Matt, that's the testimony right there. Those people graduated and decided, I'm going to use this eligibility and I'm going to take on a graduate degree or certificate while I'm doing it. And they wanted to come back because they felt like they had unfinished business. I can't make this up. This, this this is a movie script. I can't make it up. How satisfying is
0: it when the program starts to take on that life of its own where it's the kids that are saying, no, we're not done. This was great. But what's next? And we're coming back. And like that, because you can't that is a ripple effect of what you've put in place. That is not you specifically. I think that is the the garden you've grown, the culture you have developed, and the kids wanting that as a reaction
1: to that? Satisfaction. I think it needs to be tempered. And that was my message last week when we got together in the fall. And we've brought another large group in. And I've got three coming in in the spring, too. So all told, I will have 12 people coming back to the existing 11 Mm -hmm. that I had, right? And so I said to to the young people coming in, and I pointed them out and, and, and not to make example of them but to say that this – again, this is we, not me because this woman here is not going to give up her playing time readily. She's worked too hard for too long, right? But my commitment to you, newbie, right, freshie, is I'm going to put the best team on the field and you are going to have opportunity to bring your talents to this. And at the end of the day, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to Scripture, and that is iron sharpens iron. These young women want you to be better than they were, and that's a rare thing. It is, uh, I guess if you look at in, in the Buddhist, it's called medito, the genuine appreciation of someone else's success. How many of us are, are actually able to live in that space? Our ego usually says, oh, why can't I get mine? (laughs) I want that. These young women are grasping and walking with this understanding. If that person pushes me, I'm that much better. And if I impart wisdom unto them, they're that much better. And we increase our chances of success in wins and losses. And I remind them continuously, you will never lose a game under my watch. Never. Because I... I take responsibility for that. I didn't put the right lineup out there. I didn't make the right adjustments. I didn't prepare us. You will take all of the W's because you're playing the game. You put in the sacrifice. You put in the work. You earn the W's. The satisfaction, again, that needs to be tempered is what we did last year. This is a new year. This is a new cast. Some are wiser. Some are still developing. Others are are making transition from, again, that tournament ball world. Hey, you're going to play the first three innings and you're going to play the next three innings and we're going to be done in an hour and 20. That's not college softball. So there's some transition to be made there and there will be growing pains and there will be stumbles and fumbles, yeah? Again, we're going to build the sandbox uh, so, so that there's room for you to fall down and learn how to get up. And that's the important part. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to cast you aside. If you make a mistake today, it doesn't mean I'm not going to start you tomorrow or put you in the game tomorrow, whatever. We're all working on this together. And, and that's the satisfaction. Satisfaction in what we achieved. Yeah, I'll look back at that and, and, and say, hey, man, we had a great run. But on a daily basis, it's about who's putting in the work, who's growing, who's developing, who can we raise up as new leaders, Who's starting to really own their craft and come into their own as an adult? You know what's even more satisfying than the W's is I've got a team GPA between 3.56 and 3.63. 3. That's satisfying. When you got a team of 20 people, 25 people, and you got a team GPA of that magnitude, they get it done in the classroom and on the diamond. That's the satisfaction.
0: Bill Rellier, this was incredible fun. Thanks so much for coming in. God
1: bless you. Thank you, Matt.
0: And that will do it for this week's episode. want to thank Bill Relier for taking time out of his schedule to come in studio for this chat. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. It would really help us out. You can follow the show on Twitter at pod You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.